Good morning. I invite you to enter in to the situation. See it in your mind's eye as we look at this passage in Acts 8 this morning. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come sit up next with, to sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Morning. A few years ago, my wife Jeannie was riding in a car in L.A. with a relative of ours. And uh, he was trying, trying for the first time to use a GPS to give him directions. This is kind of how it went pretty much at every place. Turn right in half a mile. Turn right in 500 feet. Turn right in 200 feet. Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. (laughs) 
he had a really hard time putting listening to the GPS and actually doing what it said together. <laughs> now, a lot of you are really good at following the directions of your GPS, whatever it is, to get where you want to go. But as I hear this story about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, I am struck by how Philip listens to what God is telling him and does it just like listening to a GPS and responding to it. He does what the Spirit tells him. But the question, I guess, for us today is in this passage is, is that what we should expect from God, that kind of direction from him? And if so, what, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And what does it take to have the kind of heart that Philip has, a responsive heart that's able to respond and do what God is telling him? So that's what we'll explore today as we go through this passage together. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing passage that we see Philip and the eunuch both responding to you. Lord, we, we long to hear from you. We long to respond to you. Lord, may this passage be used by your spirit to open our eyes to how wonderful it can be to have a responsive heart to you and to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think this passage highlights for us what it means to have a responsive heart to the Spirit and to have a responsive heart to others. So we'll start by looking at responding to the Spirit. But if you're going to respond to God, if you're going to respond to the Spirit, you first need to understand how God speaks. If you're going to listen to Him, listen to the GPS, listen to the Spirit speaking, then you need to know how he speaks. And I see several ways that God is speaking in this passage. And I think it's good for us to go through these and understand all the different ways God wants to speak. One way, the first way we see in this passage, is he speaks through an angel. Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. An angel speaks to him. Now, angels in the scripture, we see them in various places throughout the scripture speaking to men. They're active. Hebrews 1 tells us that they are messengers from God sent for our salvation. Now, I'm assuming here that Philip didn't see the angel. He just heard him because at least most always when it someone sees an angel in the scriptures, they're terrified. <laughs> and the first thing the angel has to say is, don't be afraid. <laughs> I'll bring a message from God. He, he doesn't do that, but he hears it. He somehow knows it's an angel. And he responds. Now, an angel speaking is really not very common in the Bible, actually, if you look at the Bible as a whole over thousands of years. It didn't happen that often. And I think it's not common for us. We shouldn't expect that. It may happen. It may not. But it's it's rare. One thing that strikes me here that I just want to highlight is it says, go, rise and go to the desert road, go into the desert. 
That strikes me as something that God often does. If we're going to be useful to God, he often calls us when he does speak and call us somewhere. He often speaks and calls us into the desert, out of our comfort zone, into a place that's dry, unfamiliar, difficult, often painful, because it's there that we are most useful to God often if we're truly listening and responding to him. It's usually a place where we have to die to ourselves so he can live through us. We, at one point, before we came here, we were at another church and we were called to that church. I still think we were called, although we struggled as soon as we got there. It was a difficult place to be and Though it was a beautiful place, it was a place that felt like a desert to us. And we questioned God a lot. Why why are we here? In the three years we spent there, it was difficult. But we can look back and see what God was doing in our hearts through that and how God was using us in other people's lives because it was a desert place for us. So God speaks, we see first through an angel, Secondly, we see him speaking to Philip through the spirit. Verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now, we don't know if this was just kind of an inner impression, if he heard some kind of audible voice, perhaps. Passage doesn't tell us. But I think we can assume that the spirit will speak to us. The spirit does speak. He communicates with us. Regularly, often the spirit speaks to us, I think, through laying someone on our hearts, someone to pray for, someone he wants us to go to, someone he wants us to encourage, someone he wants us to make a meal for or whatever that happens. Uh, God loves to do that. I've been struck as I've grown in my Christian life, how often that when God lays somebody on my heart, it's. It's just the right timing for when I call or when I go visit. It's just exactly what they needed at that time. And God wants to use every one of us in that way. When he lays someone on your heart, I think it's the spirit encouraging you. Now, in this case, the spirit gave very clear direction to Philip. Go up and join yourself to this chariot. As he's given direction in this passage, you know, I'm not sure God always gives us life-changing direction. It might be just so simple, go call somebody. Uh, It's interesting to me that Philip is led in such a dramatic way in this passage. But at the end of the passage, he ends up in Caesarea. And you think, wow, he's an evangelist. God's going to move him around. 20 years later in Acts chapter 21, as Paul comes, Philip is still in Caesarea. Serving the Lord there. So you never know how God's going to lead. The key is having a listening heart, listening to him. God also, third, likes to speak to us. And this is probably the most common way through his word, isn't it? You notice that in verse 28, where it says uh, this eunuch was returning to Ethiopia. And as he was returning, seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And as the story goes on, you see God speaking to his heart through that, and he commits himself to the gospel, to the good news. God mostly, most often, I think, speaks through his word because God gave it to us as his communication to us. It's his way of speaking to us. 
It's the living word. It's not like any other book because this is God speaking directly to us. And when it hits home to the eunuch, he responds by asking to be baptized. The word is meant to hit home for us, to transform us, to change us as God speaks to us through it. But if we're going to hear from God through his word, we have to be in it, right? I mean, hopefully situations like this through teachers, but also through reading it ourselves and letting God speak to us through his word. Fourth, he speaks to us through other people, as we see in this passage. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him, the eunuch, the good news about Jesus. God speaks to us through others, sometimes through teachers, sometimes through friends, sometimes through family, sometimes through enemies. But God does speak through others. And there's been a number of times where someone has spoken a word to me and it's been exactly what I needed to hear at that point. It's it's God speaking to me through that person. And then finally, in this passage, I see that God speaks to us through circumstances. Through circumstances, verse 39 and 40, you see, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more, went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel, etc. God moved him in a dramatic way, and God doesn't always move in that dramatic way, but God can use circumstances to speak to our hearts, to help us understand who he is, to hear from him, if our eyes are open, we can see his hand moving in our circumstances. Did you know God can even use the Internet? It's true. <laughs> I got a call just a week and a half ago from a man in Dayton, Ohio. And he called me and he said, hey, you know, I, I want to get my life together and I really wanted to go somewhere where I could be with other men and grow together. So I just Googled men's spiritual retreats. And the first one was full. The second one on the list in the Google list was Cole Community Men's Retreat next weekend. Some of you can't even find the retreat information on our own website. <laughs> I went back and Googled men's spiritual retreat and I couldn't find our retreat on there anywhere. God had a message for that man. He has bought a ticket. He is flying in and he's coming to the retreat, coming from Dayton, Ohio. Why? Because God wants him here. <laughs> and God spoke to him directly so that he would come. Let me just say, God wants to communicate with you and me all the time. He's speaking to us. He wants us to hear him. The real question for you and me, the challenge is, are we listening? Are we hearing God speak? That's our part, right? Our part is to listen to what God says, to develop a listening heart so that we can hear from him. You may think, well, God never speaks to me in these ways. Well, you know what? He may not speak to you in dramatic ways, but believe me, he is speaking to you all the time. If we only have ears to hear, if we if we learn to listen and hear the spirits prompting in our hearts, 
He is speaking all the time through other people, through his word, etc. And so the question is, do you have a hard time recognizing God's voice? Sometimes I do. Well, how do you learn to recognize somebody's voice? Well, you have to spend time with them so that it becomes familiar to you. The more you spend time with Jesus and the more you ask him to speak to you and, and, and listen and, and expect him to speak, he will speak to you. In the Middle East, shepherds throughout history have uh, loved their sheep in a way where there's times where they get them all together in a huge group with all the flocks of all the different shepherds together. But when it's time to leave, the shepherd will give his particular call with his voice. And only his flock will come out and follow him. Why? Because they've learned the shepherd's voice. Jesus talks about this, right? My sheep hear my voice and they know my voice. Why? Because that shepherd has hung out with these sheep. He's slept with them. He's talked to them regularly. He's been with them. They're in relationship. They're familiar with one another. And we will learn to recognize our shepherd's voice the more we spend time with him and talk to him and listen to him. You see, a listening heart expects God to speak and listens for that. You you prime yourself to listen. I'm always amazed... How, you know, when our kids were growing up, but I think now as grandparents and our grandson is at our house fairly often taking a nap or or sleeping there and, and he'll be asleep. We'll be in another room. We'll be doing something. And Jeannie said, oh, he's awake. And I'm like, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> but her ears are tuned to hear that baby's cry. And she responds. She hears it. Her ears are tuned. God wants us to have that kind of tuned in ears. So we are listening for him to speak in life in all these different ways I've mentioned. Believe me, he always wants to communicate with us if we can only learn to listen. And then the second part is not just listening if we're going to respond to the spirit. But the secondly, we need to learn to obey the spirit. Obey what you hear. You know how easy it is for all of us to rationalize, to justify a reason for not responding to the Spirit. Maybe somebody is laid on your heart. God says, yeah, I should call this person or I should take this person a meal or I should uh, at least pray for this person or whatever. But, you know, I'm kind of busy. I don't want to be a nuisance. You know, I don't want to interrupt. They probably have something else going on. And I know there's other people that are going to see him. And, you know, we can... We can make all kinds of excuses, can't we? It's so easy to do. But I am so convicted by both Philip's and the eunuch's responses in this passage. Let me just run through them because I think it's really, really eye-opening. Verse 26 and 27, where the angel says, Rise and go, Philip. Verse 27, And he rose and went. (laughs) doesn't say, well, I had to finish my project or I had to do this first or whatever. He just did it. He rose and went. Verse 29. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. I love that. He didn't take any time. He didn't hesitate. He heard the spirit prompting him to go to this chariot and he went. 
He ran to obey God. That's a responsive heart. That's an obedient heart. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth. Now, why is that included in the in this passage? Well, I think it's, again, a reminder that he responded. God was telling him, speak to him about this passage of Scripture, this amazing passage about Jesus being the suffering servant. Speak to him about it. And he opened his mouth. He did it. And then verse 36 As they were going down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? I kind of see this. Maybe they're in the desert. You know, it's probably a mud puddle. He didn't go, well, let's wait for cleaner water. (laughs) First water he saw. Wow. I want to publicly declare my faith in Jesus Christ because I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Philip and and the eunuch show us this obedient heart that does not hesitate. And it's so exciting when you do respond and let God use you. Over Christmas, I was having these promptings that uh, I needed to call my friend Mary. Now, Mary was 96 years old, but doing okay health-wise. We visited her last summer and you know, but but she was on my heart. I just sensed I needed to call her. And I told Jeannie that. And so after a couple of days, I called her. And she was declining a bit in health and having some fears about, you know, how I, I love Jesus, but I don't know. Can he really accept me? And I was able to encourage her with the word and, and pray for her and prepare her heart. And this week, a couple of weeks later, this week I got a call. She passed away. God's timing is perfect. But I fail in that plenty of time myself. I, I want to tell you about a woman named Judy who at my last church I ministered to. I counseled with her. And after I moved here, we continued. She was having a lot of struggles. So for 16 years while I was here at Cole, I would counsel her over the phone regularly. And we finally set up once a month. Thursdays at one o'clock, once a month, that was our counseling time. So we were planning on it and that was kind of working pretty well. And then one month I got, I got this call about a week ahead of time and she just left a message. She sounded okay, but she just said, um, can you call me? I, I'd like to talk. And, you know, I thought, well, we have a meeting in a week, Thursday at one. So I think I'll, I'll wait for that. But I kept getting this prompting in my heart. No, you need to call her. I thought, no, no, we can have an appointment. You know, I don't want to break that. You know, I don't want to keep that. And, and I woke up Thursday morning and I felt this, no, you need to call. And I thought, no, I've got a lot going on. I'm going to wait till 1 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, her husband calls and she had killed herself that morning. Now, obviously, I feel terrible about that. And yet I really trust that God's sovereign and he's bigger than, you know, would, would she even responded? Would I have saved her life if I had called her? I don't know. I don't know. But I learned a lesson through that. Don't dismiss the promptings of the Lord. When he prompts you, do it. God has big plans in that. So learn to respond to him. He is speaking to you and to me all the time. 
And he has things for us to do as part of his kingdom. And the key is that he wants us to learn to respond by listening, learning to develop a listening heart and a responding heart that does what he tells us to do. So he wants us to develop a listening heart first and a responsive heart to him. But secondly, he wants us to develop a responsive heart to others as well. What does that look like in this passage? What does a responsive heart toward others look like? Well, I like listening to God. We need to learn to listen to each other. Verse 29 again. Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, asked the question, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. You see, Philip listened to what was going on in the Ethiopian eunuch's life. He listened to what was going on. He asked questions so he could understand what was going on in his life. And I want to highlight one thing here that I think is is very significant, where it says the, the command from the spirits. He said, go over and join this chariot. Now, that word for join, I think, is a very weak translation in this passage. That same Greek word, kalao, is used elsewhere in the New Testament to describe a husband shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. I mean, this isn't just hang out with. This is commit yourself to. It's used of a, joining yourself to a prostitute. Same word. It's used of dust clinging to your feet that you can't get off. In other words, when he says, go join this chariot, he says, go and commit yourself to be with this man as long as I want you with him. And I think God often calls us. That's one of the primary callings of God is he'll prompt our hearts to say, hey, go commit yourself to be with this person as long as I want you to be with this person. I don't know how many times God... uh, Always in my life, he's led me to commit myself to one or two or three or four men to commit to them and meet with them and walk with them. And sometimes it's for a year. Sometimes it's for two years. Sometimes it's three years. Sometimes it's a short time like this, perhaps. But I think that's a big part of what God calls us to do, to glue ourselves to somebody, to be in relationship, committed relationship. And I'm amazed at how often... Maybe we've been meeting for a couple of years and I'll go, Lord, I'm not sure why we're in this relationship. And then something will happen, a crisis, a need, an opportunity. And God will use the relationship in my life, in the other person's life or whatever, in a dramatic way. So I just am so clear that that's a big part of what God wants us to do. Glue ourselves to someone else so that God can work in the relationship. And let me say that listening means not coming with an agenda of what you think the person needs and then unloading on them. Right. We do that sometimes. Listening means actually coming and listening to their hearts, listening to what's going on, entering into their world. Seeking to understand the longings of their heart and listening sometimes means and this is important, I think, shutting your ears to what culture is telling you. 
Listening to another person means sometimes shutting your ears to what culture is telling you. Let me tell you what I mean. I see it in this passage. For Philip to listen to this eunuch meant not listening to the culture around him. The culture around him was telling him, don't talk to a Gentile. Don't talk to a black man. Don't talk to a eunuch. They're rejected by God. Don't talk to someone of a different race. Don't talk to someone of a different socioeconomic level. Because he was a CFO in this kingdom of Ethiopia, and Philip was kind of a nobody. All those are too many barriers to cross to really actually go commit yourself to this person. That's what culture was saying. But he closed his ears to all that. And he said, I will go and I will cross all those barriers and I will commit myself to this person. He ignored all that and obeyed. And I think it's very significant. Let me mention this. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. Isn't it interesting that the very first Gentile convert given us by Luke is a black man from Africa. Black man from Africa. I think that's an encouragement to us as believers <laughs> that we have to go out of our way to cross barriers, to talk to those, to close our ears to culture and reach out and love those around us and to honor and show dignity and equal worth and value to people that are very different to us. Recently, I've talked to several refugees and I was I've talked to some and I have been amazed as I've listened to their stories right here in the Treasure Valley, stories of prejudice, discrimination, abuse, simply for their skin color or their cultural differences or their dress. Brothers and sisters, it's happening right here. We're not exempt from it. And we need to be people who are crossing those barriers and reaching out because that's the heart of God. And that's what he calls us to. And as we listen to one another, we're not only just to listen, but we are to respond to what we hear. Philip did. He joined himself to this chariot and he listened and he shared Jesus with the person He opened his mouth, and that's our job, isn't it? Not to fix the person or save the person. Our job in evangelism or encouragement is never to save the person or fix the person. Our job is always simply to point people to Jesus. He's the one who does the work, not us. And it's this incredible passage in Isaiah 53 that the Jews didn't understand because it was about a suffering Messiah and the Jews didn't believe in a suffering Messiah. And so Philip understood because Jesus said, that's me. (laughs) And so he understood it and he shared that with the eunuch. And the eunuch listened and responded. He'd been to Jerusalem. He wanted to find out more about God, but apparently he didn't learn anything being there, but now in this desert road, he heard the good news. 
This eunuch who was banned from being an official follower of Yahweh because he was a eunuch and because he was a Gentile. He learns the good news and he is excited and he responds to it. And God saves him. This formerly rejected eunuch will be saved and he was. (laughs) And he went his way rejoicing, it says. So what happens when we have a responsive heart to God and to others? Well, Philip was able to bring this man to Christ, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. N.T. Wright describes this. He says, no wonder the Ethiopian was excited when you tell the story of Israel like Philip did with Jesus as its climax. It opens up to include everybody, including people like him. Doubly excluded and now wonderfully welcomed. No wonder he wanted to share in the death and resurrection of this Jesus by being baptized, by having the whole story become his personal story. No wonder he went his way celebrating to become, if later tradition is to be believed, the first evangelist in his own native country. We today should ponder, too, the fact that the first non-Jew to come to faith And baptism in Luke's great story is a black man from Africa. And let me tell you the rest of the story. (laughs) Tradition says that the Ethiopian eunuch went and evangelized his country. What we do know historically is that in 341, the king of Ethiopia declared it a Christian nation because so many people had come to Christ by 341 A.D., Later, when the Muslims swept in and were taking over Africa, Ethiopia was the only African nation to survive the expansion of Islam and maintain its identity as a Christian nation. Today, Ethiopia is still considered at least 60% Christian. Now, is that because Philip shared the gospel with one man? I don't know. God knows. But I like to think that because Philip was responsive to God, willing to do what God called him to do, and the eunuch was willing to respond to what God was telling him, and then he went home, that the entire nation was changed because of the power of someone who has a responsive heart to God. Brothers and sisters, God is speaking all the time. All the time to you personally. And he wants you and me to listen to him. And what this story tells us is there is great power in a responsive heart. One that will learn to listen to the spirit of God and do what it says and learn to listen to one another. Listen to others and respond as God leads. Giving them Jesus at their point of need. And let me close with this. You may be thinking, well, yeah, but I'm never sure if God's speaking. I I don't know how to discern his voice. Well, let me say this. This is one of my guidelines if I am trying to discern if God's speaking. If it involves loving others, number one, and it involves dying to myself, dying to my own selfish desires, dying to what I would want, For the sake of another person, 
I'm pretty convinced it's God speaking. And that's the voice God wants us to respond to. You can't go wrong in responding to a call to love someone else and die to yourself. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for how you're working in the book of Acts to build your church. Oh, how we want you to work in our hearts to help us to have listening ears and responsive hearts that we might be more and more part of your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice and walk in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.